Welcome to church. I hope you guys had a great week. I, I really did. On Monday night, we had um, a program at Hebron called Brotherhood. And bruh, Brotherhood was amazing. You can't get it online. Everybody's been asking, can you get it online? No. But I will tell you this, in 19 years of ministry, almost 20, it was my favorite night of church ever. And I love that every few years I have a new favorite night. It means church keeps getting better. But that was my favorite night of ministry. My favorite part was after the message, hearing hundreds of men worshiping God and committing to lift their mantles of leadership. We're going to lift that mantle, baby. And uh, seeing men stand up for their families and for the community and a society full of misandry and hate towards men, discrimination and bigotry towards men, to watch men say, we're not deterred and we're not going to go gentle into the good night. We are going to fight for it. That's exciting. And uh, for our Hebron location, you guys did an amazing job of hosting our churches. I want to thank all who came if you missed it, you missed it. It was our biggest, best one ever. And uh, I think the next one's going to be even better. So uh, I can't wait. But welcome, Hebron, online, jail, Wheatfield. Welcome to church. It's good to be with you guys. We're at the start of a brand new series called Hot Takes. And uh, I'm going to have to dose up on my Lipitor or whatever because my blood pressure is going to be high in this series. It's all about controversial opinions and ideas that Jesus has. And today, this message, some of you guys are going to be like, this isn't for me. I already know what I believe. I promise you this message is for you. And I think there's never been a better time to talk about what we're going to talk about today and through this series. I really, really believe some of you guys who are older in your faith or more mature in your faith, you are going to need what we're going to talk about for your kids, for your grandkids, for your neighbors, friends, and family. This is going to be so, so important. I hope that you would be engaged. I believe that for our culture, for our society, if you shake your head and go, what's happening? Um, this series is here to address that. This is super, super critical, and I want to ask you guys who love Jesus to engage. Those of you who are learning about Jesus, also really, really important. We're talking about hot takes Jesus has. And today, have I got a hot take for you. But before we get into it, I want to start with a story. A story about a man I have, we've all been impacted by. His name is Steve Jobs, and uh, some of you kids might not know who he is. He actually died 11 years ago next week. And he was the founder and leader of Apple Computer Company. He was the inventor of the iPhone, the iPod, the inventor of the iPad, the tablet as a, as a computing piece. He made that form factor. He was a designer of MacBook and Mac. He um, was the pioneer behind digital animation at Pixar, which is crazy. Like almost every animated movie that you enjoy the software that is able to do that came out of um, his leadership. He's the driving innovator but behind OS X, which is the greatest operating system ever made. Some of you may dispute that. Others of you are like, he's a super nerd. Um, Steve Jobs is responsible for the modern era and uh, the mobile age. It almost all came from his personality. And what's interesting is Steve Jobs in 2003 was diagnosed with a rare form of pancreatic cancer. And they caught it in a fluke. He was at the hospital getting a CAT scan for kidney stones, and doctors noticed a shadow on his pancreas. And because of the fluke that they caught it with, um, it was actually caught way, way, way earlier than normal pancreatic cancer would be caught. And it was very local, very treatable, stage one pancreatic cancer. Furthermore, it was a rare, slow-growing form of pancreatic cancer that had a super treatable outlook. Now, Steve Jobs, if you've read his fascinating biography, authorized biography written, written by Walter Isaacson, was well known for something he called magical thinking. On the outside, people called it reality distortion field. But this guy, what he would do 
is he would distort reality into his own little truth until everybody around him bent to that truth and his distorted reality became reality. Example, he would pull out this form factor that he wanted to become a phone. He'd say, can we make a phone like this? And everybody would be like, no, that's not possible. You can't, multi-touch screen, not possible, can't. And he'd be like, you're fired. And then he'd hire someone else, say, can we make a phone like this? And they'd say, no, that's not possible, whatever, whatever. And he'd be like, well, you're fired. And then he'd hire someone else and say, can we make a phone like this? And they'd be like, maybe. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And that's literally how his stuff got invented. He was not a great engineer. He was not a great software coder. What he was, was really good at distorting reality until it became true. That's what he did. Now, um, in business... That worked great. When it came to cancer, not so great. He literally tried to distort the reality of his cancer. His doctors told him, Steve, we need to do surgery on you immediately. We need to cut you open and cut this out. He said, no, I don't want to do that. He fired that group of doctors, hired a new group of doctors that distorted reality the way that he wanted to hear it. They tried what's called CAM treatments, which are essentially dietary supplements only. And uh, CAM treatments aren't necessarily terrible if you pair them with other stuff like, you know, radiation and chemo. But he forwent all that treatment, tried dietary supplements for nine months, which is an eternity in cancer time, especially pancreatic cancer time. And because of that choice, he would eventually die. Jobs had a personality and a wealth that could build a world that bent to his will for the most part. And, you know, his biggest life-changing thing that he gave to the world was the iPhone. And what's interesting is his biggest personality trait, that reality distortion field, is something that he then gave to the whole world through the iPhone. Because now not just Steve Jobs can distort reality, everybody can distort reality. Everybody can just fire a news source for telling you what you don't want to hear. Everybody can block and unfriend a person for disagreeing with you. Everybody can now just ignore a specific type of restaurant until your custom algorithm inside your phone literally makes it so you don't even see that those restaurants exist. We all live in our own little reality distortion fields because of our phones that Steve Jobs gave to us. Now our lives, just like his life, can distort reality until it matches our preference, our truth, which is different. And so many of us do this. You know, you only watch videos that you like to a point where YouTube and TikTok don't even suggest videos that you might not like. You don't even see that they exist. We no longer just read the news that we like. We don't even see headlines that we disagree with. And this is crazy. During the last three years, I've had some people come in my office and tell me the craziest, I mean the craziest stuff. They come in and it's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this thing has distorted your reality. Uh, I mean, over the edge, in this case of the earth, okay? We sometimes only see things that we might also like to buy when we're shopping, right? We don't have to be bothered now with seeing shelves of things we're not interested in. Now it's just, you might also like. It's like we only see things we're interested in. It used to be that reality was just reality, truth was just truth, facts were just facts. But we now make our own reality. We make our own custom news and custom facts. And that works for a lot of things until we encounter something serious like cancer where it doesn't work. Because of Steve Jobs, it's no longer that nobody likes being told that they're wrong. We don't like being told they're wrong. It's just that today, no one is ever told that they're wrong. We don't encounter that. It's, it's alien. And the problem is the richer we get, the more custom our news feeds and our lives become, and the less often we have to admit that we're wrong or even see a differing opinion. And because we're so rich, the consequences of making a poor choice are really not that high. And you make a bad choice, it's not that big a deal. I mean, in America, it's a great place to be poor. 
You're not going to starve to death because of a choice that you make. This side of 200 years ago, you were only one poor decision away from starvation. And today we're so rich, we can basically do whatever we want with impunity, almost never having to admit that we're wrong. We could take it to the end. And that's what makes this Hot Takes series so controversial. See, Hot Takes didn't used to be a thing. It just used to be, here's my opinion. If you disagree with it, that's fine. We'll still be friends. We know how to handle that. Today, people can't get over it. Today, if you say something that somebody disagrees with, you need a trigger warning. If you say something controversial, well, oh, speech is violence against my personhood. That's a microaggression. It's microaggression in the words of Greta Thunberg. If you say something controversial, how dare you? How dare you? We're just not used to it. And that's why hot takes are a thing, right? It's where we're at. Even today, just like Steve Jobs found out, unfortunately, sometimes there are choices that we make and beliefs that we choose where despite our wealth and despite our phones, we cannot distort that reality. Cancer is one of them. But I also believe a bigger area that we cannot distort or change is the existence of God and the nature of God. Religion, we can't change it. And yet when it comes to religion, I believe that many of us, instead of looking for truth, look for something that we like. And this is a big big problem in our society today. And even if you don't do that, even if you're willing to submit to God, there is somebody in your life that is doing this. There's a child, a grandchild, a friend, a parent. There are people in the world that do this. And this is destructive. Just like Steve Jobs trying to believe his cancer out of existence is destructive. I think the common belief, and I believe this would be common in church today, is um, all roads lead to heaven. Just be a good person. Jesus is loving, and he'll take any good, earnest, authentic person. That's the God I believe in. That's what a lot of people say. So people just be nice, and that sounds nice. But in the very same way that Steve Jobs' beliefs can't change his cancer, our belief can't change who God is. This is a critical message today. I think everybody needs to lean into what we're going to talk about, which is eventually going to be all world religions. Because I really believe there are people in your life that believe this. And we as a church need to be educated and equipped to have informed conversations about this. So I hope all of us, all of us, no matter where we're at in faith, lean into this and take some notes. Do you remember years ago, some of you have this tattooed on you. Some of you have had these bumper stickers up. And I'm not trying to be pejorative. I just want to be real about it. There are these coexist bumper stickers. Remember those? And uh, what it does is it's taking all the religious symbol and just jamming it all together and uh, this is an American thing to do. Can't you just, you know, do this, whatever. Um, the problem is this is one of the most profoundly offensive, culturally ignorant, and deeply insulting images ever made to specifically Muslims and Jews, but I think all the religions involved here. It's basically saying, be a good person. All roads lead to heaven. But if you know anything about these religions, it's not possible. And I want to talk about all religions for a moment because saying all roads lead to heaven, just be a good, earnest person, and the real God will ultimately accept you. That's the God I believe in. That statement, hot take, is not true. All roads don't lead to heaven, even for good, earnest people, as a matter of historic, scientific, and cultural fact. So let's work through world religions for a minute, and let's talk about where they say the road you need to take that leads to heaven comes from and goes to. And we're going to start with Christianity. Um, Jesus is chilling with his disciples, and he makes this pretty profound statement. Most people don't know that Jesus said this, but this is a big deal. Jesus said, hot take, I am the way, the truth, not one of many truths, not a truth. I am the singular truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
That's what he said. It's a lot of superlative there. Hot take. And Jesus was resisted, or uh, re, uh, Jesus restated this many times. It's kind of interesting. This is peppered throughout Jesus' teachings. His disciples and apostles would later restate this in the Bible, and then almost every church leader for 2,000 years would restate this. About Jesus, the apostle Peter would say in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. There's only one road. God has given no other name under all of heaven by which we must be saved. And this is one of those parts of our faith as Christians. It's not up for debate. It's a bedrock principle. It's a trunk issue. If somebody disagrees with this, they're outside the tent of Christianity. It's a foundational principle. But you know, it's not just Christianity that says all roads don't lead to heaven. It's, it's all world religions talk about this. Our feelings and news feeds, try as they may, can't change facts about science and history. And I want to look at some other world religions. I want to start with Eastern religions and then go over to Western religions. Eastern religions um, believe that truth is a paradox. And this is kind of interesting. This is why young people today really like Eastern religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, um, because you can have your truth in Eastern religions, right? They believe in a master sage over a savior or prophet. And they talk more about karma than they do sin. Although sin and karma really are sort of similar, but Hindu things you should know. Let's start with Hinduism. Um, Hinduism is polytheistic. That means they believe in millions, if not billions of God. And for them, heaven is reincarnation as a better person. That's what they believe. Like when you die, if you're a good person, you can reincarnate as somebody better, richer, whatever. And the problem with this, Hindus believe that if somebody is poor, it is because they were evil in another life. So there is a great lack of empathy and compassion for suffering in Hindu society. This is why many Hindu countries do not have great medical systems. Because if somebody is ill, if somebody is sick, why would we give them compassion? Why would we care for somebody? Um, there's lots of arrogance for rich people because they deserve it. People's only hope in Hindu society is for death and reincarnation as somebody better. That's their heaven, right? Or somebody who has a better life. So do all roads lead to heaven? No, the roads lead to radically different places. If you say all roads lead to heaven, it's like, no, I mean, the destinations are different. Buddhism is an offshoot of Hinduism. There was a man named Gautama who was raised as a Hindu in his palace, told he was the best. He lived a great life. Um, he never left his palace walls until he was a young man. And when he finally left, he saw a countryside that was traumatizing, full of suffering. And so he invented a new movement called Buddhism to deal with suffering. Now, interestingly enough, Buddhism is agnostic or even atheistic. It's an ancient form of spiritual atheism. They don't believe that humanity has a soul. It's just all life has energy. Um, some Buddhist traditions, also many other religions, but Buddhist traditions believe in something called crystal, energy crystals. And a lot of you parents have probably seen your kids like getting into crystals. It's a big fad right now um, in, in our community. But uh, I see lots of people doing it. And I'm a data guy. I actually read a bunch of research while writing this. Um, but all the research that's been done on crystals tells us that they are a scam and that they are no more effective than placebo. There's no double-blind research study that's been done on crystals uh, that says they're effective. They don't work. They're not a thing. Uh, for Buddhism, heaven is reaching this state called nirvana. And uh, nirvana means not caring about anything. That's their heaven. It's reaching the state of inner peace where it's like, your daughter died. I have inner peace. You know, you won the lottery. Eh, I don't care. I have inner peace. I would call it a sort of spiritualized depression. It's a numbness. And that's heaven for Buddhists. So do all roads lead to heaven? No, they lead to dramatically different places. Now, there's three other Eastern religions that talk about Shinto, Tao, and Confucianism. These were essentially public ideologies. That's what they were begun as. They're sort of like patriotism is in America today. Um, you know, we have our Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men have been endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. These rights include the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What is that? 
That is a national ideology very similar to Shinto, Tao, and Confucianism. Less religions, more ideologies. I would say another one that, that you would relate to, um, some of you, is the pride progress flag. This is a national ideology, um, and we're going to talk about this week three. I want to have a loving, inclusive, authentic conversation about this. I covet your prayers. Week three of this series, that's what we'll be talking about. But uh, those are Eastern religions. Let's talk about religions related to Christianity. And um, there are several. The first one I want to talk about is Judaism. Judaism, 30% of Jews are atheists. Uh, for most Jews, actually, Judaism is more of a heritage and a culture than it is a religion. The entire sacrificial system that is the bedrock of Jewish religion was destroyed with the temple in the year 70. Salvation for Jews and the afterlife is sort of unclear. It's unclear. They're, they're not sure. Even in biblical times before the temple was destroyed, um, this group of Jews called the Sadducees were unsure about whether or not there was even an afterlife. They were sort of ancient atheists, which is an interesting part of Judaism most people don't understand. Um, heaven is undefined. They're unsure. Then I want to move into something called correction cults. And there are three of them, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and later we'll get into Islam. Correction cults believe that Christianity is wrong a little bit, and we're here to correct it. And what Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses will say is, I'm just here to share Jesus with you, and I believe just like you do, I just want to correct this, this area, this thing. And uh, my master's work, a lot of my seminary work was done with Mormons, and um, Mormon's central belief is that God is a man from another planet who lived a super good life, and he was given the heaven, the reward of being the God of his own universe and planet, which is kind of interesting. They believe in something called eternal marriage. So God, when he became the God of his own planet, brought his wife with him. They're married forever. And um, that's why marriage for Mormons is such a big deal. But God and his wife have been busy making babies. And uh, the good Mormons, what they do is they have as many kids as possible so God can put his soul babies into your baby. And that's where your soul comes from, which is interesting. But um, for Mormons, heaven is becoming a God of your own planet. That's it. It's becoming a God of your own planet. And that is very different than, for say, for instance, Christianity. In Christianity, we, um, we worship God in heaven eternally. Um, for Mormons, you become God. And I would, I'd call that, you know, very incompatible. Those roads lead to different places. And uh, then there's Jehovah's Witnesses. This is pretty interesting. Some of you have met Jehovah's Witnesses on your doorstep. And um, they believe that Jesus never bodily resurrected and was not God. He was Michael the archangel. And uh, true story, the leader of Jehovah's Witnesses said that Jesus was coming back in 1914. So the day came and everybody gets together, you know, they sell their land, they're worshiping God, waiting for Jesus to return. He's coming back, you know, he's coming back. And he didn't. And the guy was like, what are we gonna do? Oh my goodness, like he didn't come. And then he says, you know what? He did come back invisibly. And you guys missed it. You missed it because he was invisible. And I saw him, but you didn't see him. And he came back. Now, he taught originally that heaven was limited to 144,000 people. And, um, and then it filled up. So that's too bad because heaven's full for everybody else. But do all roads lead to heaven? No, they don't. They lead to different places. And the last correction cult I want to talk about is Islam. Um, this is interesting. I think this is worth knowing. Um, Islam was made 600 years after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. It was made as an intentional, complete repudiation of Christianity. It's a parasitic religion that just rewrites parts of Christianity. And um, Muslims say that heaven can be achieved in one of two ways, a lower jihad and a higher jihad. Lower jihad is just the struggle against your own fleshly desires by completing these things called the five pillars. But it's just be a good person and um, then you can, you can beat this holy war against your, your inner struggles. And then there's higher jihad. 
And higher jihad, if you complete a higher jihad or a higher holy war, you automatically go to heaven. But to do it, you have to be martyred. This is why there's suicide bombers. Um, there are over 90 verses in the Quran which encourage a, um, a higher jihad. And interestingly enough, and, and you have to die killing infidels, specifically um, Jews and Christians. But the higher jihad in September 11th, um, the, the terrorists, the nights leading up to their attack, lived in debauchery, which is for us a very un-Muslim thing. You know, you'd think they wouldn't do that. Muslims are generally very devout, but they, you know, strip clubs and drugs and all the stuff that Muslims would never do. Why did they do that? Because they knew that if they committed this higher jihad, they were going to automatically go to heaven, right? It doesn't matter what you've done. And uh, the highest level of heaven, there's a hundred levels, is a couch with virgins. And then there are seven levels of hell, and the lowest level of hell for Muslims is reserved for Christians, so do all roads lead to heaven? No, they lead to literally, in this case, the polar opposite places. In fact, we're told really clearly in the Quran that the Christian heaven is the Muslim hell. And the Muslim hell is the Christian heaven, like they're complete opposites. And the Christian version of Jesus in the end times. Okay, the Muslims believe that Jesus is a prophet of God, but not actually God. And they believe that Jesus will come back. It's just the Muslim version of Jesus is the Christian version of the Antichrist. They swap the two, isn't that interesting? And uh, they tell us that when the biblical Jesus returns, he's going to try and deceive everybody saying that he was God, but then their version of Jesus, which is the Antichrist described in Revelation 12, um, is going to correct everything. And the Muslim version of Jesus, when he returns, will convince Christians that he's not God, that he didn't die. He will establish worldwide Sharia law. He will sign a peace treaty um, for seven years with the Jews, which he will break and then massacre the Jews. And then at the end of days, he will shatter the crosses and destroy the church. That's what the Quran says about Jesus, which is interesting. So do all roads lead to heaven? No. So brief summary, if you're following with me, Buddhism says, ignore heaven, don't care. Um, it's all about suffering. Uh, Hinduism says, don't care for the poor. They deserve it because they were bad in a past life. The only hope for heaven is reincarnation. Is somebody better off? Mormons see heaven as becoming a god of another planet. Jehovah's Witnesses say, sorry, heaven's full. Jews say, we don't know. Islam believes that the Christian heaven is actual hell and the Christian savior is actually Satan. So not compatible, not compatible. And this is why that coexist flag is perplexing to me because when you understand the world religions, it's like, wow. I would hope that, you know, as you get ready to engage your children, engage your community, you would have a knowledge, a basic knowledge of world faiths, because this is something people ask about. There's one other movement that's worth mentioning. And the last movement I'd like to talk about is um, the religion of atheism. And I call it such a lot. And a lot of people like John, um, just so you know, atheism is not a religion, but I'm very convinced that it is, because it is a belief that there is no God. That requires a belief, requires a religious belief. See, it's called atheism, which is Greek for a, or which is Greek, atheos, which means godless. And that requires a belief that God does not exist. And that particular belief is super problematic for a number of different reason, reasons. Number one, it requires a person to believe that this finely tuned, perfectly balanced universe came from nothing. And all of the evidence that we have in physics and theoretical physics tells us that that is ridiculous. There is a designer God. Then it requires us to believe that billions of DNA pairs and double helix DNA came from no designer, arose without mRNA or RNA um, from nothing. And that requires a person to ignore a ton of evidence in biology. And I don't have enough faith to embrace that religion because there is an overwhelming amount of evidence that tells us that, that there is a designer God. Now, um, atheism has no heaven or hell, much like Buddhism, but it does very clearly have a set of dogmatic religious beliefs. And I would say even priests and pastors um, with your Sam Harris and whatnot. 
Um, it also has, and this is a big deal for me, when I was considering atheism and looking at what my family believed in, my extended family and everything else, um, I looked at atheism and realized it has the most destructive track record in human history for any movement if you measure the sheer number of humans murdered. By that measure, atheism is without a doubt the most evil and hateful religion in human history by a long shot. It's not even close. Every time a country has bought into the religion of atheism, millions of humans are massacred. From China to the Soviets, to the French Revolution, to the Cambodians, humans get systematically dehumanized because we're just stardust bumping into stardust. Even today in the um, religious list America, we see the same thing happening. If you disagree with somebody, you're worse than human, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're terrible, you're dehumanized. So how do Christians respond? How do we respond to, hey, just coexist, you know, all roads lead to heaven? Well, I'll tell you, I think we need to educate ourselves. I think we need to be prepared to have informed conversations. I think that no matter where you're at, we should actually search and understand and have a faith that is built on evidence. In every case, heaven is in a different place. All roads don't lead to heaven. And in spite of this, I think most people just never try to figure it out. I think most people, we just try to send it. And the problem is that compared to eternity, this life is super short. I think a lot of people say, oh, I'll figure it out when I'm older, but this life is shorter relatively than a man's life expectancy just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And you see, I look at Steve Jobs and I think about his mistake of wasting his life and ignoring the truth for nine months, distorting reality of what was really important. I think, man, that was a big, big mistake. I would never do that. I don't wanna do that. I wanna be serious about serious things. I wanna face the truth. And yet this is what so many of us do with our faith, isn't it? We have all been diagnosed with this disease called mortality. I'm pretty sure the death rate continues to hover right around 100%. We're all gonna die. And I think we need to figure out what we believe. And this is what's happening. You know, Steve Jobs, he got this diagnosis and what did he do? He found doctors that told him what he wanted to hear. And that's what we do. We bounce around church to church, belief to belief, until we find somebody that tells us what we wanna hear. And essentially, Steve Jobs, he tried this CAM treatment, eat better, dietary supplements, and that's what we do on a spiritual level. I'm gonna eat better spiritual. I'm gonna be a good person. I'm gonna be a loving person and it's all gonna work out. Just be a good person and God will accept me. And that's a big problem. That's reality distortion because you can't believe cancer out of existence and you can't believe God out of existence and you can't believe God into the God that you want. There's one truth about who God is. And I'll remind you today, something, it doesn't come from nothing. An intelligent design doesn't come from no intelligence. I think it's so critical that we really think about what we believe and why. There's um, a famous little thing called Pascal's Wager, and I've talked about it many times. I want all of us to you know, generally have it memorized. I think it's an important part or important thing to understand. But uh, Pascal made this like bet, this, this understanding of why he thinks it's worth exploring God. And he said, look, if you are a non-religious person, you're just unaffiliated. You don't do religion. The best case, if you are correct in saying, eh, there's not really God, religion isn't really a thing, um, you get nothing other than a life that is statistically probably gonna be a little bit worse off than the Christians, right? Because uh, non-religious people have a lower level of life satisfaction. So if you're right, you get a life, you get nothing um, after this life and, and, and your life might be just a little bit worse. If you're wrong, you go to hell. And he said, for Christians, best case scenario, if you're right, you go to heaven. That's good. That's great. And if you're wrong, you get nothing other than a life that's statistically probably a little bit better off than a non-religious person. So the 
Worst case scenario for Christians is better than the best case scenario for a non-religious person, for an unaffiliated, for an I don't know, I don't care, I can't know. It's like, man, that's a really good bet. And that's really worth figuring out. And it's really worth examining. And today I got a big challenge for you guys. I would like to challenge our church to instead of looking for what we like, I dare you to look for what's right. I want us as a church to get serious about our faith and to get serious about what we believe and to start building something that is informed. I wanna ask you of all the roads in life, and there's a lot of different options, what road are you going to choose? Don't make the mistake of choosing no road. Because I think this is what a lot of people do. That's a guaranteed fail. We just sit at light, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna choose. I don't know whatever, you know, I don't know. It's too much to think about. It just overwhelms me. I don't wanna do it. The other mistake people make is they try to choose all the roads. Also a guaranteed fail. Not a possibility. I wanna remind you of Jesus' words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. My big challenge for you today is to, um, to choose a road, to look at a road map, and to choose a road. And that's what church wants to be for you, a road map. Right? We don't want to just call you to blind faith. We want to show you the map and allow you to make an informed decision. And listen, older generations, some of you guys, you know what you believe, but we have failed at showing future generations the map. And this is your responsibility. I mean, the most important thing I will do for my kids is show them the roadmap. I'm so grateful I had the parents I had. They didn't call me to a blind faith. They showed me the roadmap. We had conversations about all world religions. We had real apologetic conversations about why we believe what we believe. And look, I know I asked hard questions that they had to do their own research on, but I'm so thankful that they did that because today I have a steadfast, unwavering faith. And it just tell me, you know, evolution's wrong and you need to believe this. They showed me why we believe what we believe. They developed a steadfast, unwavering faith rooted in truth. And I'm so grateful for that. And guys, no matter where we're at, we have a commission to reach generation after generation. And it's time we as a church get serious about showing future generations the map and making a decision. Because of my parents' faithfulness, I have chosen to follow Jesus. I've come to the conclusion that something doesn't come from nothing and intelligent design doesn't come from no intelligence. I see that historically Christianity has done more good for the world than all other world movements combined by a long shot. I mean, think about it. Hospitals, orphanages, the scientific method, modern medicine, all arose one time in human history because of Christians. It's the only reason they exist. No other society cares for people, strangers, things, children, we don't know. The foster care system, Christians, all of it because of Christians. All the historical, archaeological, and scientific evidence tells us that Christian Christianity is unrivaled, the one true world religion. None of them stand like Christianity does. Furthermore, after all of that evidence, I would tell you that the name of Jesus in his word speaks to the deepest desires of my heart. God's word called me to faith when I was 15 years old at summer camp. I love Jesus because the world follows him not out of guilt or violence, that is many world religions, but we follow Jesus because of grace, truth, and love. And that's a pretty good movement. If you want to see more sermons that show you the roadmap, they'll be linked in the description to this talk when it's posted online. I've done lots about the evidence of Christianity. 
But today I wanna challenge our church not to pull a Steve Jobs with our lives. I don't want us to ignore this problem. And today I've got two questions. And I know a lot of you men are relieved because sometimes your wife makes you go through a ton of questions. It's like, honey, I don't like talking, okay? I don't like my emotions. Just two questions, two easy, easy questions. Number one, have you decided what you really believe? Listen, I don't want you to just follow what every generation has done in your life. I want you to make a decision. This is who I'm gonna be. At some point, we gotta, life is too short to sit here in indecision. I want you to decide. So often your wife drags you to church or your husband drags you to church and you just do it. Today, I want you to decide what you're gonna believe. I have decided to follow Jesus. or I've decided not to, but make a choice. Make an informed choice. Look at the roadmap. And at some point, you're gonna have to make a decision. Here's the thing. Jesus called us to informed faith, but at some point, there is a leap of faith. I have not seen the face of God in this life. And there has been a step of faith. I've seen the evidence, I made a decision. I was not certain that my wife would be a great wife, but by faith, I chose to ask her to marry her. I linked my life there. We do that in every other area of life. But regarding God, some of us were like, well, I can't yet. Listen, you're gonna have to make a decision at some point. Don't waste your life, make a choice. And then if you answer yes to this question, second one, that's a big one, do you live like it? That's a big one. Oh yeah, I believe that there is an all-powerful God who I will face at the end of this infinitesimally short life and give an account for how I have lived. Do you live like it? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, no, I do not. And it's like, hey, change that. And for me, this is a question I have to ask at every stage of life. As a young man moving out of my parents' house, I had to, am I living like it? When I got married, I'd ask, when we had kids, oh my goodness, kids are such an idol. They don't offer life. It's like, man, kids are disappointing. <laughs> I'm telling you. And yet so many of us, we worship at this altar. We skip church for them. We do all this stuff for them. And listen, it doesn't offer life. They're gonna grow up and you'll be like, why don't you call me? Why don't you visit me? Listen, they're gone. God didn't make you for them. He made you for him. Do you live like he is the only hope, the only way, the only truth, the only life for the world? that no one comes to the Father except through Him? Do you live like it? And as a church, I think it's time we evaluate the way we live. Again, this is for all of us. Some of you, oh yeah, well, I believe in God, Pastor. I believe in God and I believe in Him for a long time. Our time to say, no, no, no. I live like it. I believe in Him, yes. And I live like it. Look, I don't know where you guys are at. I know there's some of you who can't answer yes to both of these questions. And I wanna pray with you this week. I wanna offer you a chance to change on your blue card. You know, you put your information there. And then look, I wanna learn more about following Jesus. We wanna help you with that. Some of you, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. We wanna help you with that. If you, wanna, if you today are like, you know what? I need to decide. I've never decided. I wanna decide. Make today your day. Decide to follow Jesus. You have to make a choice. I wanna be baptized and make profession. This is part of our faith. If you've not been baptized, if you've not publicly acknowledged Jesus in front of people, Jesus says, when you acknowledge me before people, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. It's your time to do that. You wanna join the church? Do it. This is our time. At all of our locations, online, at Hebron, DeMott Wheatfield, at the jail, put action to your faith. Take a step and live like we actually believe it. On your way out, you can drop those blue cards in the bucket. But I'm excited about this series. It's just week one, hot take. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. At all locations, please stand to your feet. Let's close in a word of prayer. God in heaven, I thank you that you don't ask for blind faith. You give us informed faith. And today at all of our locations, God, I ask that we would make a resolution to follow you in an informed way, but Lord, in a way that's consistent 
and true and real. God, as a church, I ask that you give us the courage to show the next generation the roadmap and that you give us a steadfast, legacy-building, resilient, unwavering, unyielding faith, unaffected by times or culture, Lord. I ask that we would look for your one truth and that we would live by it. For people wavering, Lord, I ask that you give them the courage to make a decision today. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen and amen. Let's sing this last song together.